This is According to Callus. This is episode 156. And I'm back because I just could not let it sit all the way till Wednesday. This is a special episode. I don't have a good pithy title, but perhaps I'll think of it by the time I get to the end. I just feel the urge, the need, the desire to respond to some of the things that I've heard and seen over the last weekend, particularly when we take into account the (laughs) protests in Chicago and the actions that took place a few hours later in Waukesha. So let me get this straight. Chicago, which has one of the highest murder rates of the entire country where guns are ostensibly banned where criminals should never have them but oh they do i'm sorry i forgot and law-abiding citizens are prohibited and indeed made felons if they try and protect themselves that is supposed to be the beacon of light of how things should go forward even so much that the former reverend jackson decided to show up and preachify at us how we should all just i don't know not protect ourselves the end of vigilante justice is what he called for i believe and let us think about this for just a moment is it vigilante justice if you're defending yourself or your property, or your family's property, or your friend's property. Maybe. And there was a court case, and the court case found that what happened was a reasonable result. Now, if you don't like that, that's fine, but you don't get to double dip. Although I'm sure that some enterprising federal prosecutor somewhere is going to find a way to bring charges even though they really have no jurisdiction whatsoever. And they really, really, really need to get past the idea that a minor transported a firearm across state lines. Uh, No, he did not. And secondarily, in the state of Wisconsin, it's perfectly legal for a 17-year-old to be carrying a firearm and use it if necessary, because otherwise they would have charged him on it. And while that may make some of you uncomfortable, tough we sent 16 and 17 year old kids overseas to go fight on our behalf why would we want to restrict that to a 17 oh wait texas even does that hmm well that's something texas has got wrong that's something if we actually had a legitimate constitutional carry we wouldn't have to worry about that but for right now The other thing you should note is one of the reasons why Wisconsin protects the rights of 17-year-olds to carry rifles is because a little thing called deer hunting. And deer hunting is very serious business in the Midwest. And young people wait and go to training and do various things just so they can go out and kill a deer so they can have, well, either the trophy or the meat for their family for the next year. It is a big deal. It's a huge accomplishment. So that is why they take that particular right quite seriously. So while you might have a justification to be worried about vigilante justice, 
Let me flip this to the other side for just a moment. I don't know if you're aware of this, but in the city of Dallas, indeed in many large cities, they're no longer prosecuting for theft or vehicle situations. And what that means is that I could literally walk into a CVS or a Walgreens or any other store and take a bunch of stuff off their shelves, walk right out the front door and they have no recourse, none. Now, how many people does it take to do that before you put that business out of business or before you make that store untenable where it puts some more people out of work? I mean, just think about this. Okay, fine. You hate Walgreens or you hate CVS or you hate Walmart or whatever major corporation you want to hate. If you put them out of business, and what I mean by that is you make that store untenable, they'll just close it down. And now the food desert also becomes a desert of any retail business. Because who wants to go into an area where people are going to routinely steal from you in the amount that basically can put you out of business in a week? Now you might claim, well, they have insurance or they have this or they have that. And, you know, short term, maybe that works. But if you're a mom and pop store and you count on every bit of your revenue to create a profit insofar as that you can save some money or raise your family or, I don't know, pay off your business, it becomes an extremely challenging situation where... Bad actors can come in and rob you blind and you have zero recourse. Now, I know for a fact that if you work for those stores that I previously mentioned, if you try and prevent that thief from acting in that manner, you're the one that's going to end up out the door. You're the one that's not going to have a job. You're the one that's likely to be prosecuted. So again, what are you going to do? I think we already know the answer. Now, does this make it right? Well, no, of course not. As a matter of fact, the Ten Commandments are pretty explicit that you shouldn't steal. But apparently our government or city governments know better. Ironically, they have no problem with they themselves stealing. I know some of you get uncomfortable when you refer to the idea that taxation is theft, but it says we're supposed to render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, but when Caesar gets to determine what's his, is anything really yours? Just a little thought there. So I would suggest to you that two wrongs can't make a right. So if it's wrong to protect your property... then what did we start a country for? What do we have any rights for if we can't protect our own self-interests? If we can't protect that which is our own self-control, right? The other wrong is the idea that government's going to protect people misbehaving or doing bad things. 
Now, for those of you that chant the mantra of Romans 13, this should be startling to you. Because in Romans 13, it basically states the government is supposed to punish wrongdoers and protect those that are doing what is right. But when your government does the exact opposite, indeed, when your government takes on a mindset similar to another section of Romans where it talks about calling good bad and bad good, paraphrasing, of course, they've upended the order. They have taken what God created and ruined it. But hey, go ahead and change Romans 13. It might just make it all better. Not. Okay. So now for those of you that don't know, since we're on the subject of businesses, and I talked about how, you know, you can go thieve up to $700 per incident. Let me ask you, what is it that you think these businesses survive on? What kind of margin do you think they have? Now, I'm not entirely versed on what every convenience store's margin rate is, but let's just say that a really good margin would be 10%. I mean, that would be an outstanding margin. After all is said and done, you know, we're talking net net, right? Or whatever, triple net or whatever, whatever the phraseology is. After you figure in all your expenses, the cost of product, and then what's left over. In most cases, it's probably closer to half of that. But for the sake of argument, let's say it's 10%. Now, let's say at your store, you do $5,000 worth of business a day. Now, you might be saying, well, that's, you know, they're doing more than that. Okay, well, let's just say it's $50,000 a business a day, right? That Whether you think that's true or not, but we were just, for the sake of argument, we're going to, We're going to say that that's what it is. So if it's $50,000 of revenue a day and 10% of that is net, 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 it's not, but just go with me here. That means $5,000 is what you've made. That sounds pretty great, doesn't it? Mm. Now, if two or three individuals in the course of a month come in and steal $700 each. That's $2,100. So they've eaten up all that revenue. Oh, but you're saying, but we're taking in $50,000 a day and you said we're going to make 10% profit. Well, yeah, yeah, I did. Because I'm making those numbers up to prove a point. Three thefts in a single day will eat up roughly half of all your profit. Now, keep in mind, your profit is what you count on for the days that you don't do $50,000 of revenue. That's what you count on for when you make a smaller margin or where you have an unexpected expense. So now let's reevaluate this on what's probably closer to the reality, right? So let's say on an average you have in a convenience store um, 30 business days a month. Now let's also say that on those 30 business days a month, your net profit per day is probably $1,000. 
That's after everything's said and done. Everybody gets paid, including you, the owner. $1,000 a day. And again, being very generous here. That's what your take home that you're putting in the bank. Do you think, do you think you're going to be really excited about the idea that somebody walks in and they can steal $700 because the $700 they have stolen isn't really $700 because they've taken $700 worth of product, which is revenue. They've cost you an additional $700 to replace it. Now that's $1,400. So you're out $1,400. Now if we multiply that by three, because, you know, if it happens once, it's liable to happen a couple more times. And because you're not allowed to do anything to prevent it, it's very likely. So three times a month, somebody comes in. And let's just say you've made your $30,000, which we all we all know that's not... The real number, but for the purposes of this discussion, they've now taken $2,100 times two, right? So that's $4,200. They've taken more than 10% of your profit. Now, let me ask you, after you factor all that in, and now you've got to look at the fact that your insurance is going to go up. Oh, and you're going to have to pay for security. Oh, and... You know, maybe you put in some better cameras or maybe you do this or maybe you do that. Now your expenses just went up. So it's only a matter of time before it just does not become tenable. And again, keep in mind, I'm giving you the most sunny side numbers I can. Because very, very few companies make that kind of money per day on a store like that. Competition is fierce and people people um, expect prices to be at a certain point and you cannot make enough profit sometimes to offset your losses. And then what do you do? You close or you move or you raise your prices, in which case you go out of business anyway because nobody goes to your store or you put a target on you because you're mistreating people, perception being reality, of course. So again, if you're a large company, what are you going to do? Well, the simple answer is you're going to close up shop or you're going to move or you're going to let it go into complete, utter disrepair because you're not going to invest in that specific store. Is that really what we want? Is that really a desirable outcome? Did anybody give any thought to that in the city of Dallas or any of these major cities where they don't prosecute these crimes anymore? I think not. Yet... When you do that, it only increases bad behavior. It only encourages more bad behavior. And we know this. This has been proven out time and time again. Now, I'm for one, am not enthusiastic about the idea of ruining somebody's life for one bad decision. I, I, I believe that the criminal justice system has lots of room for improvement. And there are lots of things that could be reformed or adjusted to comport with the reality of which we're dealing with, but not prosecuting people for stealing things is not going to make things better. I don't have all the answers. I don't claim to have all the answers. In fact, the last time that I put it towards, 
um, a vote in a large group of people, uh, just the mere fact that I brought up the questions was seen as an, uh, an affront. So <clears throat> we carry on. If not us, who? So this relates directly back to Mr. Rittenhouse. If he wouldn't have done this, who was going to? If he wasn't going to be out there protecting his family's property, who would have? I mean, the Korean shop owners did it and did it effectively. There were people in Ferguson that had friends and family, and um, I think some Oath Keepers might have been there, protecting their property for when the rioting began instead of a protest. So again, if not them, who? We already know it won't be the police because they follow orders. And when the orders are politically motivated to stay home, stand down, of course they're going to do that. And we know it's not going to be the National Guard because they are also following orders. Politically motivated though they may be, they follow their orders, which means they do nothing and they stand by and watch this stuff happen. I, for one, am not good with the idea that we as individuals should surrender our rights, our property, and our ability to self-defense because somebody else told me to. I don't work for them. The oath I took requires that I protect the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And when people at a domestic level, i.e. local elected officials or even state elected officials, trample on the Constitution, act in uh, opposition to the Constitution, when they subvert the Constitution, they are the problem. They need to be dealt with. The idea that we don't do this and we don't push back is very saddening to me. That doesn't make me a vigilante. That doesn't make me the lawbreaker. It means the lawgivers or the lawmakers are unlawful. Indeed, the idea that there can be so many laws that you're breaking the law at the level of three felonies per day should be disturbing and disappointing all at the same time. The idea that they write enough laws that every man becomes a criminal should shake you to your core. The idea that they selectively enforce them or enforce them in such a way that um, there's egregious abuse in one direction or another should shake you to your core, should show you how they violate the mere construct of a constitutional restraint. Because there can't be one If they're going to do all this, if we can't hold these people accountable, what are we going to do? Liberty by its very nature is risky. There are no guarantees when you have liberty. The idea that you would trade that liberty for just a little bit of security means that you'll usually end up with neither and you won't deserve either, according to Benjamin Franklin. The idea that we can somehow wrap everything in bubble wrap and it's going to be a-okay is foolish because we did not get where we're at today with weak men, with cowardly women, with weak-minded leadership. We got to where we're at today as a civilization, as a culture, as a country, by people that had vision, people that were willing to take risk, and people that went out there and got things done. Did people get hurt along the way? Yes. Were people taken advantage of? Without a doubt. Were there things that are embarrassing? Absolutely. 
Should we try and go back and change it? Really, really, we can't. Should we be willing to accept the consequences of some of that bad behavior? Yeah, I guess we have been for quite some time. But the idea that if we will just keep caving in, just keep giving in, just keep refusing to hold people accountable, keep refusing to stand up is going to somehow make the other side placated that they're going to be satiated. It's just a foolish, moronic ideal. Winston Churchill was credited as saying the problem or the issue with the Turk is they're either at your neck or at your feet. There's nowhere in between. I would suggest to you that progressives are much the same way. I would suggest to you that the communists that seek to subvert and overthrow our government are really no different. The problem is, is because we believe in liberty, because we respect people's individual sovereignty, we allow for those with ill will with those with malfeasance in their hearts, in their minds, and in their souls to work amongst us and undermine us. And there's something to be said for grace. And there's something to be said for education. There's something to be said for perhaps they'll learn on their own. But again, when it comes to the point where it's them or me or Yourself versus somebody else. You're going to have to make a decision. And if you're like me and you took that oath, I imagine that you take it quite seriously because it has no expiration date. And I just want you to remember that. And those of you who wear the badge, whatever badge it may be, those of you that wear a uniform, whatever uniform it may be, I would encourage you to remember ultimately who you answer to and at some day in the future when you're standing before that man probably with your face on the ground you're going to have to give an account for everything that you've done or not done and you need to make sure that you're comfortable with that you need to make sure you're aware of what that all means I can't make that decision for you, but I'm just going to state the obvious. Whatever you don't have to answer for while you're here on earth doesn't mean you escape it forever. And with that, I cut this episode short. This is According to Callus. This was 156, and this was a special follow-up to 155. I will see you on the other side.